I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more question you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gents. Podcast number, it is 12, technically. 13, technically, but 12, technically. Whatever you want it to be. Whatever you want it to be, it's Let's there. Let's go 12. Let's go 12. 12 is <laughs> a good number. 13 seems... Unlucky. Sketchy. Yep. Yeah, Friday the 13th, we don't do... Yeah, no, no, no. That's why we record on Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> so it doesn't ever land up. So next episode will be the 13th episode, but we're just going to skip it. It's actually just going to be the 14th. You're just a little stitious. <laughs> um, um, I apologize. I sound super whack. I'm a little under the weather. Um, I didn't sleep any of the hours last night, <laughs> and so I'm not feeling too great. But I made it to work today, power and through. yeah, got to power through. Got it. Life must go on. That's why we. That's why we do this. That's right. Um, yeah, thankfully, and I was running late today. Really embarrassing. Um, so unprofessional. So unprofessional. Disrespectful. Disgusting. Really. Um, but couldn't miss today's episode because it is a really, really special one, and it's going to be a really, really cool one. Um, we are here with the Jordan Stevenson. Um, we're going to jump in with a little bit of his biography in just a moment, just so you guys get a good understanding, and we're going to question his whole soul. We're just going to question it up. Dive right in. <laughs> Diving in the deep end. Um, Ready. And so we're really excited to have him. Last week went really well, um, and we had a really good experience last week was super fun yeah it was awesome what did y'all do last week last week we had jeff slaw he is a dj who he's like big time he's opened for justin bieber tory lanes a lot of really big names and so he had some crazy experiences with like depression and stuff and just in the process of like while he was doing really well (laughs) but he was all of a sudden super depressed and had a lot of stuff going on so it's just really cool to see how his happiness came from other things, not just the success and stuff. And everyone's going through something. Yeah, 100%. 100%. There's that picture that's like, <laughs> and why you shouldn't judge people, and it's like what you know about their life versus their whole life, and you right. only know just a tiny, tiny bit. So it's really cool. Um, Jordan is one of those people where that's pretty much the definition of him, where we only know this much, but he's going to open up a lot more about it, um, himself. I'm going to pass it over to Hayden because I sound like a, like, I've been on the pipe for 30 years, you know what I mean? Right. So Hayden's going to take away from here. Yeah, well, I guess we'll st- dive into this little message you sent. So, yeah, Jordan was born in Sacramento in Elk Grove, California, to his parents, Michelle and Doug Stevenson. He attended CSUS on a track and field scholarship before joining the U.S. Navy with the intent to join the SEAL teams. After um, a swimmer-induced pulmonary edema, a burst appendix. A psych? Is that Sight. what you call it? A like, psych? Those are big words there. Big words. Big words. <laughs> burst appendix, torn ACL. He left Buds and attended the Navy EOD, or the Explosive Ordnance Disposal School. Um, I'm sure you carried a lot of explosives on you at all times. Scary. <laughs> Once upon a time. Dang. Um, then a different specialty under the umbrella of special operations. Spent most of his career as a part of the VSW, Shallow Water Mission, finding and disposing of underwater ordnance after other deployments and exercises on a deployment to Sharana, Afghanistan in 2011. Sharana. Sharana. On the eighth night of a covert operation, Jordan was shot through the head by an AK-47 while... Jeez. 762 caliber. Yeah. yeah. While falling 30 feet oh. as well. If I gotta add the extra extra damage, the bullet wasn't enough, so I had to fall thirty feet too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like yeah. shot in the head. It's like that little bit of icing on the went gig. through the helmet. It's really messy. Through your up. head, through the other side of the helmet, right? Wait, it went through the front of my helmet, through my head, and out through the back of my helmet. And so then fell thirty feet. And then fell thirty feet. I don't know. There's more to that. I, I, don't, I don't know. How we'll get into it in a second. Yeah, we'll we'll jump into it. So yeah, afterwards he spent the next two months in a coma, where his family. Told, well, he was told that if he ever wakes up, he'd most likely be unable to speak, unable to walk, and unable to take care of himself or a family at all. So he is now a motivational speaker, a father of three, walking and living in Spanish Fork, Utah. And obviously talking again as and well. obviously speaking. Thank goodness. Imagine. I don't know sign language. 
<laughs> yeah, sign language would be too hard to do on a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know if anybody hears that. When I read this, I like I literally pooped my pants. Um, well, you were telling me in the car, and we're just like, well, what? I just the clicked. Crap? I was like, dude, this is literally like some Call of Duty type stuff. Like that's unreal to even think about. Yeah, I mean. Like you're saying. Well, tell us a little bit. I mean, when I when I go speak to to kids and I speak at schools, like I always lead with that. Like, I'll, uh, who who plays Call of Duty? And I'll have them raise their hands. Who plays Fortnite? And I, they'll raise their hand. I did that stuff in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and from there on, I feel like I got their attention. They're like, wait, oh, what? Wait, what? That's exactly what me and Hayden were thought. <laughs> I called him, told him the whole situation, and he was like, like, dude, this is what superheroes do. <laughs> I was like, this like, is yeah, literally a Call of Duty. Doesn't make any sense. Um, I also. But the headshot doesn't kill you. Yes, 100%. In video games, headshot, that's it. That's true. Not for me. No, no. So you're not even you're above a video game. Yeah, do you want to dive insane. in and just start with that experience? Or do well, you want to start with a little backstory? Maybe right before you jump into that, I'd like to start even even before. It seemed like there was a lot of stuff that led up to that prior to you joining the Navy. Um, you were a track and field athlete. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, what Love college? It. That was my absolute passion was running track and field. Really? Uh, Sacramento State University. Dang. So I started, I ran track all through high school. Uh, I went to state championships all four years of high school. Word. And then I hadn't gotten an, a, an offer my senior year yet to go compete in track and field in college. I tried, but I, I, I was speaking to colleges and coaches, and I, I didn't get any feedback. Mm. So I actually enlisted in the Navy while I was still a senior in high school. Oh, wow. But finishing my track infield season my senior year, I got an offer, and I went to the Navy, and I, I was like, look, I got an offer to go run track D1 college. Yeah. I really want to chase, follow this opportunity. And the Navy took, took, took me out of my contract and, and gave me the green light to go compete in college. Oh, that's sick. Nice. So I had the opportunity to go compete in college. Oh, that's so cool. Unfortunately... I joined a fraternity, and that was pretty much the end of college at that point. <laughs> happens, happens. Ruined. My first year was really fun, really wild, lots of good stories, but unfortunately it led to the end of my yeah. collegiate track and field career. And that's where you had the ACL? Oh, no, the ACL came off still in training. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I So once my scholarship fell through, I didn't want to go to school. Yeah. I didn't want to go to school in the first place. That's why I enlisted my senior year. I was like, I don't want to go to college. Yeah. I just wanted to compete. So then, as soon as once I lost my my scholarship and I was, I didn't have anything to do anymore. I was like, well, I'll go back to the Navy. That's that's what I wanted to do anyways. And everyone was like, oh, you know, the SEALs are that's the toughest training in the military. Yeah. It's the toughest training in the world. So of course, in, in my head, I'm like, I want to do that. Totally. I want to be that guy. So I, I I enlisted to go in the Navy. And in June, I think 2006, yeah, I joined the Navy. What made you want to like? Any form of military, I could, that's a big, big choice. <laughs> uh, you want to? I mean, I, as a kid, I played war with my friends, and I played the you know the Call of Duty video games. I mean, not back then; they didn't have it back then. But I played war games and those kind of things. And I so that's I, I grew up wanting to do that. I've seen the the war movies, and then mm-hmm. my grandpa was a Navy fighter pilot, so I was like, oh, I want to do that. Yeah. And I didn't want to be a pilot, so I, but I wanted to go do some, some cool guy stuff, and mm-hmm. so I. Dang. I feel like it was inevitable I was going to do it one yeah. way or the other. Yeah, that's really wild. So I have a brother who served in the Marines for a while, and he had got medically discharged with some lung problems. Um, but he told me <laughs> while he was in all of the training and stuff, it's, a, it's intense stuff, man. Like It's not easy. Not a chance. And so how do you... Just you in know, the Marines. If, if my kids, even though I was Navy, if my kids wanted to join the military, I would push them in the direction of the Marines. Oh, really? Sorry, Navy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, Sorry. Too intense. I feel like the structure that I've seen mm-hmm. in the Marine Corps would is, is helpful to, like, growth. Yeah. The Navy was for me, but I feel like the friendships that you make in the Marines is eternal. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Dang. Um, have you seen Top Gun? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Silly question. Who hasn't seen that movie at this point? It's amazing. amazing. And if you haven't, go see it. Hayden? Oh, embarrassing. I'll go see it, okay? <laughs> he hasn't seen it. You what just didn't invite me when you went. It's Shit. really talked about going. Hey, you know, you know how it is. You know how it is. Great movie. Great film. Yeah. Um, you, most military guys you talk to, we're all movie buffs. Yeah. Or at least we think we are. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's so crazy. Um, and so in high school even, I think that takes that takes a lot to 
for me, like right now, in all honesty, and I hope I don't sound too much like a weenie, but the thought of the Navy and things like that, I'm like, eesh, that's big time. And I'm like, you know, I consider myself a man's man. You know, I've been hunting. I do those things. <laughs> but the thought of going to the Navy, that's, that's really difficult. And so you, it just sounds like it was clear. It's what you wanted to do. There wasn't much hesitation with it. I'm just a knuckle dragon meathead, so <laughs> I feel like that's what I, 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 was, I was. I was built to do it. Yeah, dang. I know how to suffer. Yeah, that's why I ran track and field. I ran the 400 hurdles. Uh, oh, oh my oh, god, dude, it's literally the worst. <laughs> First off, 400 alone, throw up right now. But with the hurdles, throw up again. Yeah, that that, that last hurdle gets like <laughs> 10 feet high. Jeez, yeah, your legs don't even work anymore. It's like. I can't. I run a mile, well, and that's good. Well, you got to throw out the legs. Don't work, dude. <laughs> yeah, what the heck, man? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Forget We got special things here. He's got a prosthetic. <laughs> I can't move mine. Yeah, just in case people who are going to be watching, um, you can probably see, but Jordan as well, his leg is... I can put it on the table. Yeah, <laughs> but if you want it, you can toss it up, but Jordan has a prosthetic leg on his right side, um, and that was caused after the big situation... After the injuries, yeah, that we can get into. Okay, awesome. Dope. You have any other questions before we jump into it? I say we just jump into it. Pre-Navy. I know. It's Dive. really exciting. Any pre-Navy stuff. Yeah. Do you have any pre-Navy stuff that you think is just amazing? Craziest pre-Navy story. Let's hear Craziest it. pre-Navy story? Oof, that's <laughs> – I don't know, man. That's that's a tough one. So I – I mean, I, get, I was so track and field, and I was in a fraternity. So if you mush those two together, we ran what's called the beer mile. Oh, gee. So we broke into one of the local junior colleges. Yep. And we broke into it. Like, we hopped the fences and we got in there. <laughs> and you chug a beer every lap for oh, a mile. Oh, boy. And we ran it as a relay team. So we're just hammered. Yeah. Did you throw up? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, so if you I, held it in, wow. <laughs> I passed out in the middle of the football field while other guys are on the, on the, on the side getting arrested. I'm passed out in the middle of the field, so I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So I wake up, and everybody's gone. I'm like, oh, they left me here. <laughs> so then I start looking like where they are and I climb up to the top of the stands and I look over and they're all cuffed sitting on the curb outside of the stadium. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I can't, I can't get arrested. I just signed up for the Navy. Yep. I'm, 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 I'm doomed. Yep. So I start walking down. I'm like, they can't catch me. I'm, I ran track. These cops can't catch me. <laughs> so I'm walking down the steps down to try and get out and a light comes on me. And I'm like, oh, they got me. So, boom, I'm running. <laughs> and in my drunken stuber, I managed to get over a barbed wire fence. No way. And again, in my drunken genius, there's cars in the parking lot. I hid underneath a truck. No way. Which, looking back now, like, you could easily see that there's this young man laying <laughs> underneath the car. A lifted truck. Right. So the, the cop car pulls up next to me, lights on me. I roll out from, I'm like, all right, I can, I can outrun this guy. He's not, mm-hmm. he can't catch me on foot. I rolled out from underneath the car and I probably made it like three steps mm. before I got tasered. <laughs> and that was smack, hit the ground, got some road rash back then and <laughs> spent the night in prison or in jail. Oh, geez. In the road rash, that was the start. That right, was the yeah. start. That was the start. And then I called, went into the Navy. Then once I got out, I went into my recruiter and I told him what happened and Ended up getting all the charges dropped. Yeah. Because it was trespassing, and they were just like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. So I got all the charges dropped, and everything was good. Still oh, good to go to the Navy. Nice. That's really nice. So I almost lost it. Yeah. But yeah, that's worked really, out. That's, so that's really nice. That's the, well, that's, I got lots of stories from before then or <laughs> after. <laughs> we'll have to jump into those another yeah, day. We, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's another time, another day. <laughs> the man above needed you in the Navy. Right. He was like, I, we yeah, need this boy. Totally. totally. Join the service. Yeah, that's so crazy. Um, I think it was June 5th, 2006. That's when you joined? I think so. And what is that experience like? Was anything – I know you had a, a, an uncle. You said it was a fighter pilot. My grandpa. Grandpa, okay. And so when you joined, was it at all anything that you expected or was it just a whole experience, a whole different experience? You don't know what to expect, so mm-hmm. it was all a whole new experience. It wasn't what I expected because I didn't expect anything. I didn't know what it was going to be yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, I was – Admittedly overconfident. I was this, you know, cocky little <laughs> college kid who thought I was walking on water. Right. I was going to go school all these kids. That's and, literally us right now. <laughs> right. And then it was 
I guess I wouldn't say it was, it was different than I expected. I thought it would be harder. Mm. Not that it was easy. Like I guess there I go talking like I was. It was nothing again. But I expected it to be more like I've seen in you see in movies. Yeah. I definitely got yelled at, and, and you know you're on the ground a lot, and, you know doing push-ups and that kind of stuff. But it was a fun experience. Look, it's one of those things where you, when you're in the middle of it, you hate it. Yeah. You don't want to do it. But when you look back, you miss it. Totally. Totally. No, I imagine. Um, is it one of those things where, like, because you're kind of away from the rest of the world and all you do is train, that's, like, pretty much, that's your whole Eat, life. Eat, sleep. Yeah, exactly. Is it, is, it, is it almost, in a sense, like, it's almost comforting because you're, like, don't have to worry about other problems. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. So, yes, you all, all you have to focus on is what your leadership tells you to do. Mm-hmm. So it's very simple. I guess when I said it was easy, it's because it's it's very this and this. Do yeah. this. Don't do this. Just structured. Yeah, know, the structure was was beneficial. I think that helped. I needed that, and yeah. that's where the military helped me. Well, it's it's honestly nice to step away from, get all these distractions that you always have, and just kind of step away from it. And it's like this is what I do. And this is what I focus on. Did it take you some time to, like, for example, we spent two years in random countries doing missionary work and it was kind of the similar thing in the sense of well no, no one's yelling at us we weren't doing push-ups nothing yeah. like that but in the sense of like uh, I've, heard, I've heard some good missionary stories so <laughs> but uh in the sense of you get to this point where you kind of let go of like worrying about anything else and then you're kind of just in the zone it's like, r- i wake up this is my routine did it take you a while to get to that or was it just like from the beginning you kind of flowed into it i think i was so excited to be doing it that I was able to roll into it yeah. quicker. So you have your Navy boot camp training for like your normal Navy stuff, but since I was going into Special Forces, and I was going to go to BUDS, basically on water demolition steel training, I would wake up an extra two hours earlier than everybody else yeah. and walk over to the pool and do workouts with the SEAL trainers. At what time? Oh, man, I don't know what time <laughs> that was. <laughs> I was like, like we had to be at the pool by like five. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. You like you said, you hit it. You hit a groove, and then it's just what you do. Yeah, natural. Wake your your body almost starts to wake Wake itself up, up up and then you don't need no alarm, nothing like that. Um, Today, do you still have? I assume you do, because once you get so invested in something, do you still like? You look at your life now, and you're like, I'm so grateful for that experience because it teaches you discipline. It teaches you like get the things done that you need to get done in, right. a, in a timely matter. And now do you still, are you able to have those same practices? You're able to use those with, you know, being a father and right. a husband, so on and so forth. I think so. But I think a lot of that I learned post like boot camp Navy. Mm. Once I became like, got my, got, became an EOD tech and, and I started doing those things. That's where I learned more of my habits because the Navy, Navy and the military will help you like fiscally, like how to budget and those kind of things too. Yeah. So I think in those ways I needed that guidance and, and reg- regimental order. Yeah. Yeah, so then I guess post-boot camp, were you shipped to somewhere super fast? Like were you just thrown right into it, or did they ease you into it, so to speak? I don't know if there's any easing into anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you Especially in the fields that I was going into. Yeah. No, I went, I went from Chicago, yeah. where boot camp is up at Great Lakes, to uh, San Diego, straight to Buds. Straight to Buds. Man. Dang, that's wild. And that's like drinking water from a water hose or a fire hose. Yeah, I bet. Literally. Yeah. So, yeah, because you're underwater. <laughs> you like. Or you're cold. Kind of you do? You're all the time. Oh, jeez. Um, and I've, you're in the water all the time. All the time. I've read yeah. this book uh, called Make Your Bed. I don't know if you've heard about it. I've heard the speech. I know where it's yes. coming from. Okay, so yeah. yeah. I think a lot of guys have heard that. And. That's Reading that book and the stories and stuff that he shares, I'm just like, oh, my goodness. The thought, I was in my shower the other day, and all of a sudden the water changes every once in a while when people do stuff downstairs. <laughs> like if they're welcome. Yeah, washing the clothes or something, all of a sudden the water gets freezing cold. And I just sat there and I thought about, I was like right after I'd read this book, and the thought of sitting in freezing cold water all day, every day. <laughs> I was like, dude, those guys are monsters, man. That's so hard. It goes back to what I said earlier, though. It's... It's like when you're in it, you're miserable. Yeah. You can't wait for it to end, but then when it's over, you're like, oh, if I could just do it one more time. Yep, totally. Just the, the thrill of being able to overcome something so right. hard. The challenge. Yeah, totally. Dang, that's so crazy. And so was there ever a point where you, I mean, other than like every day when you're like, I'm done with this, sucks. <laughs> right, like, well, I mean, I, I did break. My body yeah. kept breaking. Oh, uh, yeah. 
First was the sipe, which turned into pneumonia. Mm. And then my knee, and it was just like one thing after the other. Yeah. Dang. So yeah, I, I, I feel like mentally, I wanted to keep going, but my body just wasn't going to let me do it. Totally. Wasn't where I was supposed to be. Was that an experience where it was like, why am I doing this? Or just kind of like, am I done? This sucks? Or how would you feel then? I guess that's the fun part about the military. I already signed up, so there wasn't an I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's, so, a, it's a where are they going to send me next kind of thing. So what kept you going then? I'm Obviously, you're in pain. Right. Physically, you're like... That I don't know how I'm going to get up in right. the morning. Like, what kept you through that? Just the mentality? I, just, the me- I guess the mentality I've always had. I I wanted to do something great and be a part of something great. Hmm. So I, my, my road wasn't, if this was, if this was where that road ended, I needed to find where's the next one taking me. Yeah. And I'm going to go as fast as I can and as hard as I can down that road. Dang. Yeah. And how, how long did it take to recover from all of that? <laughs> like... A week and a half before I was sent to the next training, so <laughs> like, well, game over, time yeah, to go. Let's do it. If you were to like that kind of, I don't know, that kind of mental toughness, it's not necessarily teachable. But if you were to find a way to teach it to someone, where you're like, when you're in the moment, like, for me, <laughs> I have the dumbest. This is my favorite quote. But my favorite scripture is in the book of Nike, chapter 1, verse 1. It's just do it. <laughs> oh, all right. When you said Nike, I was like, I don't know where he's going. With this. <laughs> I've never Broble. heard of that from one. From the Broble. You from know, the Broble. It's a good translated from Hebrews. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, that's I, I have that mentality in a lot of things where it's, you know, like, things suck, but just do it. But that's something that's kind of within me, and I'm able to act on things. Um, maybe that other people can, so on and so forth. But for you, if you were to able if you were somehow able to teach mental toughness to people, what would you say to them? I mean, I get it all the time. People, when I tell people like what happened, it's like, oh, I don't know how you did it. I couldn't have done that. Yeah. I hear that all the time. I couldn't have done it. Right. I've been unfortunate to be placed in a position that I'm in, or I didn't have a choice but to do it. Hmm. And I would, I would tell people that there isn't anything like we are cap- we are capable of so much more than we allow ourselves to be. Like, you don't want to be cold and while you're in the shower. You're like, oh, how, how, how can I do that? But you yeah. could. If you were in that position, you didn't have a choice but to be cold and survive it, you, you could. Yeah. And the same thing you know, in, every, in every situation. For me, I, there's, how am I going to cut my leg off? How am I going to learn how to walk again for the third time? Yeah. yeah. But I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have a choice. I, don't give yourself the option other than to succeed. Right. I had no other choice but to do it. I gotta make it or make it. Right. Um, that's really, really. Which cool. is, I know, a lot easier said than done, Always. as most things are. Mm-hmm. But when you give yourself a chance to try, then you'll be surprised at what you can accomplish just by trying. Yeah, definitely. And people are so afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. I failed. I failed at buds. What I dreamt of doing. I failed at becoming a seal. Mm-hmm. I could have. I could have. My my career could have been over. I'm done. I don't want to do anything anymore. I'll just write out my Navy four years until I can get out and do something else. Mm. But I didn't want to. I still wanted to succeed because mm-hmm. I gave myself the chance to do something else. Right. And I succeeded. Right. Dang. That's really cool. And I was able to do all the things that I wanted to do as a SEAL. Mm. Kobe Bryant is a really cool, um, similar mindset where... Oh, the Mamba mentality? Mamba mentality, you know. Um, I love watching videos. Mm. He's got great inspirational videos. Um, and he kind of takes fear and dissects it as like, like the fear of failure. And he's just like, to me, it doesn't exist. Failure is not real because unless like literally life ends, there's no stopping. Like life must go on in a sense, unless, because I mean, if if failure is real, it's just like, like you said, you didn't make it to the seals. You're like, I quit, I give up. But at the end of the day, it's like, no. I failed at that point, but I've learned this much, and so I'm going right. to go elsewhere where I'm going to be successful and take those lessons that you learned and then use them to be success- successful elsewhere. And I'm sure looking back, in the moment it sucks, and you, you know, I'm sure it's like pisses you off, but looking back you're able to see, wow, I'm kind of grateful for the failure because it taught me A, B, and C for where I'd be successful elsewhere. Yeah, I think throughout my whole 
experience through the military and my life, my injuries, all that. I am at I'm I'm at a point now in my life where I'm I'm grateful for all of my trials and, and the things I've been through. I'm I would do it all over again if I knew I was going to end up where I am now without the use of my right arm and without a right leg without a right leg. I'd do it again. Yeah. Because I love where I'm at now and I'm happy where I'm at now. Yeah. Because of the the lessons I've learned and the character that I've been able to build. Totally. 100%. I guess we can end there. <laughs> great yeah. message. Might as well. <laughs> All right, guys. That was great. Sweet. That was Catch great. You See ya. <laughs> but, uh, like, no. Catch you next week for the dare. 14th episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the 14th episode. We have um, to skip it now. 100% we have to. Um, but uh, that, yeah, that's amazing. I think, and now it's really awesome that you're going into, like, motivational speaking, um, public speaking, because... That's one thing, any hard experience that I've been through in life, any hard experience that, you know, Hayden's gone through, yeah. um, it's just, like you're saying, it's at the point where you look back on your life and you can't be resentful of anything. It's like, that's what I chose to do. That's what happened. And this is the experiences I've been given. And so now it is a blessing to me that I'm in a position where I can now relate to a whole different group of people because of A, B, and C. Right. Like you now have this relation. I'm sure you've never thought when you're young, like, oh, one day I'm not going to have a leg. And right. Connect with people who, who are, you know, yeah, this track athlete. I'm not going to have a leg. I'm not even going to be able <laughs> exactly, to run anymore. Exactly. But you know, I, a lot of military guys that have been wounded and people that maybe not even in the military that have been wounded or hurt or yeah. injured, they don't like to share or talk about it. I'm fortunate that now I have a platform where I can talk and and maybe that, maybe what I say or what I've been through, will inspire them, and yeah. and I can, I can now influence a whole new category of people that I may not have been able to before. Right. Totally. Well, the nice thing about talking about these kind of things, whether it's physical, emotional, what spiritual even, hmm. is it kind of at least for me it takes the traumaticness out of it, right? Because you say it like over and over and over that it just becomes not that you're numb to it. But you just, you learn to accept this it. This is it, yeah. And you're just, you're okay with it. Like when people ask what happened to me, like I can sum it up in like, I don't know, like a sentence. <laughs> like, yeah, I was skateboarding down a, a hill and blacked out, broke everything in my back, and <laughs> paralyzed from the chest down type thing. And they're yeah. like, whoa. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I should be like more sensitive to who I'm talking <laughs> yeah. to. Because you kind of, you dumb it down, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. well, mine is, oh yeah, I got, I got shot in the head. <laughs> Yeah, people are like, what? It like, what? never, ever ends there, ever. Mm. I don't get just, oh, I got shot in the head. Then that's never the end of the conversation. <laughs> it's always like, what? what? Where? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, Show here's, my, here's my scar. And yeah. it just never yeah. ends there. And then, it, and then I end up talking to him for like another hour. Sharing the story. About what happened. And like, like with you guys, like, well, why did you join the military? And it never ends. It's, <laughs> it just goes. So like, man, I need to figure out how to get paid for this. <laughs> yeah. 100%. People are going to ask. I might as well find a way to do it. So I guess if we're going back, so after all your training, sure. you're healed from all these different injuries. Well, then you get sent to EOD school. Explosive EOD school. When do you so end up being? That starts at, actually, I go back to, I went back to Chicago where I originally was for, prep school where we do like underwater where we do like pool stuff because then I go to dive school I go to Navy dive school which mm -hmm. is in Panama City Florida cool so before I even started EOD school now I'm at dive school <coughs> so I go through dive school learn how to scuba dive learn how to dive on a rebreather and use all that kind of stuff and then I go to EOD school so it's a long I went to a longer pipeline right it's like a, there's more training now dang so you're like basically a fish at this point <laughs> sure i mean I, I, people would probably argue that i was a fish beforehand with all the water stuff i did but he's got gills i can after. see him you guys yeah. might not be able to see him on camera but i can see him not a tattoo <laughs> <Just> gills <laughs> yeah um i underwater okay so when you it's like underwater like bombs and stuff eventually yeah when i got to yeah okay so that is that absurdly dangerous incredibly yeah i'm like i think i remember i took a welding class and they talked about the people who underwater are like underwater welders. welders, and they get paid a ton because it's like very high very chance dangerous. of dying. Yeah. How <laughs> do you take that on? And you're like, hmm. I, I would attribute it to the same way that I when I and I, I guess I, I could skip way ahead and and talk about the same kind of thing, which a which is a question that I get asked is like, or that I always bring up is like, war should be terrifying. It should be absolutely. People are trying to kill you. 
when you're underwater, the elements are trying to kill you. Mm. But we trained so much and so often that it was just secondary nature. Yeah. So you don't have time to think about being scared because you're just doing what you're trained to do. Yeah. Your body so almost reacts. If I if I were to stop while I was underwater when I'm doing something and think about how dangerous it is, then yeah, I would have been scared. But I had a job to do and a training to do. So you don't take the time to think about how dangerous and how scary it is. You're just doing your job. Yeah, just getting it done. We had a guest a couple weeks ago who is my buddy Ali who did like semi and professional MMA fighting, and he had a very similar. Uh, stance on that where he was just like you get to the point where you're fighting someone and it feels like you're fighting for your life because both of you guys are trying to hit each other till <laughs> nobody till you're asleep right <laughs> and so he's like in those moments having tons and tons of training kicked in because it becomes second nature um that that i think can be applied to anywhere um like when you're in a funk at work when you're in a funk at school if you have had like the over and over again repeated exercises, whatever it may be, whatever you do, that comes second nature. Yeah, if you built up that scar tissue. Right, right. Like I've been through this kind of trauma or this experience before, this is what I do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, to skip way ahead to the, you know, what you do when, you, when you're in that kind of situation and the repeated training that, that we went through with diving and you just do what you're supposed to do. When I got shot, I shot back. Mm. I don't remember any of it. Once the bullet went through my head, but I guess I, I dropped 30 rounds back down range. Yeah. I pulled that trigger 30 more times before I fell off the wall. Yeah. And that just took out your target? Yeah, I took out the target. So. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's so sick. <laughs> and Hating like a bowling ball, I, I fell down off the wall and yeah. they got me off the ground. And Dang. I jumped way ahead, but no, you're good. You're good. But that's we we trained so much that it was just inst- I imagine that it was just instinct for me to to call target and yep. start shooting. Yep. Dang, that's so wild. That is so wild. I think that's a huge golden nugget. Honestly, like I probably should write it down. <laughs> um, like well, that's we a big could, golden nugget. The way I look at that is we could use that in everyday life. You know, we do you you build up. We would call them like SOPs in the military, standard operating procedures of, okay, this bad thing happened, then I do this. So like for me, when I'm having bad days now, I go back to the gym. I go do that kind of stuff. That's my that's my SOP. I go I go and I clear my head at the gym. Kind of preparing a game plan for when life right. when goes south. Inevitably, I don't care how great your life is, we're all going to hit speed bumps, but life your, must go on. Your next life month. Life must go on. Throwing in the plug. Good man. Um, I think as well, in your position, you have three children. I do. Um, My son was two at the time when I got shot. Yes, okay. When you... I I got shot. (laughs) Before I keep talking about what happened after, we can talk about the shot. Yes, yes. Um, I think with what you just said, I, like, being a parent's hard. (laughs) Very hard. hard. Um, Do you kind of apply that same, those same lessons within parenting as well, where it's like, you come home and you're tired, you're exhausted. You're like, I don't want to. I try to. My my kids know that if this if A happens, then B is gonna follow. <laughs> yep. At least I think they do. I, I'm trying to go in that direction of raising my kids. Mm-hmm. Of understanding the consequences. If I do this, I know Dad's gonna be really, really <laughs> mad. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, that's wild. <laughs> um, so hey. I'm training them like I trained. Yeah, hundred percent. You do this, this is going to happen. Yep. I mean, it's simple, easy to follow, and becomes and routine. Stay, yeah, stay consistent. Yep. Yeah. And if you stay consistent, then the older that they get, that's what they'll know. Right. <laughs> and when they're getting ready to do dumb stuff, they'll remember. <laughs> yeah, and then hopefully they'll look back at their dad and <laughs> laugh at me, but remember, he did this and this, but it, and it worked. <laughs> right. Yep. At least I think it works. 100%. Or they'll look back at me like, dad was such an idiot. And, so annoying. So yeah. annoying. He thought um, he was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was such a baller. <laughs> um, I don't want to jump over too many things. No, go ahead. But getting into, after all this training, you're doing all the underwater training, diffusing bombs. Um, working with dolphins. Working with dolphins. Like Lots actual cool dolphins? Like actual dolphins. Lots of oh. cool stuff. Oh, really? Oh, sick. So if anyone's interested in looking it up, what EOD does, Navy EOD specifically, 
It's a really fun, exciting job. I feel like it's the best kept secret in the Navy. Yeah. Because we got to do all the cool guy stuff, the secret scroll stuff, but nobody really knows about us. Uh-huh. They don't make movies about us. Yeah. Well, they will now. Yeah, maybe. Right? <laughs> we'll get them prepped. Yeah, hey, I'm your guy. <laughs> um, that's crazy. Actual dolphins. That's fun. Actual dolphins. <laughs> I love dolphins. I went to Mexico, swam with a dolphin. It's the coolest experience. You ever. even sound like one sometimes. It's true. I, <clears throat> I'm a little sick. We'll see if I can. <laughs> you guys needed so me out there. I needed you. Yeah, we could have had you. <laughs> Call the flipper out and <laughs> shamu. I could have trained the dolphins to defuse the bombs. That's what we used them for. No way. Well, they would tell us where they were. No way. Like because they because I used the handheld sonar, but they have a built-in sonar. Yeah, yeah. So they could find it faster than I could. Dude, you guys literally trained dolphins. That's amazing. That's like police dogs, but That's these are so freaking cool. dolphins. They're smart, though. Super. Super. Dang, I had no idea about that. Right. Yeah. Why don't they make movies about this? I stuff? didn't do it. I didn't train them. We got the trained ones, okay. and there were trainers for them. Yes. But I worked with them. Dang. Cool. That's so cool. That's sick. And was this in Afghanistan? No, this was. This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, we there's had no a, water near there. Yeah, sand, <laughs> sand dolphins. Sand dolphins. They just. <laughs> you seen the movie Tremors? Just like that. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, you wouldn't see them coming. You just see this rolling sand. You're like, oh, here they come. Pull out the dolphins. <laughs> Bring out Do you like the time. Jaws theme song? Da, na, na, na. Oh, it's <laughs> just a bunch of sand dolphins. Um, dolphins coming in. <laughs> Not good. Um, so with, okay, so training, absolutely wild, apparently. We, yes. we didn't even know about. Um, and then eventually... Was the first place you got deployed was Afghanistan? Yes. Gee. So I got pulled from the underwater team to my EOD team. Yeah. And my team, we got we were in a group, but we got split off into two-man teams, even though we were like a 10-plus <coughs> 10, 10 man team. We got split off in pairs, and I was with uh, Cooper, Steve Cooper. Mm. He was my partner. And... My whole team, we were the first group of Navy EOD guys attached to Army Rangers specifically. Yeah. We work with we Navy EOD typically gets attached to SEAL teams that deploy mm-hmm. and Army SF, but Army Rangers hadn't used us yet. So we were one of the first teams to go with them. Yeah. And train with them. Wow. That's really cool. So yes, that was that trip to Afghanistan was my first trip to the desert. First deployment the and then as well just the first time doing what you were doing. Real yeah, real Real guy stuff. Yeah, yeah. When it becomes like, oh, I'm so glad we trained all that time. <laughs> yeah, I guess the plus side, when I was underwater, nobody was shooting at me. Yep, yeah. I mean, there were bombs there, but nobody's shooting. Yeah. And now it's a mixture of bombs and shooting. All and right. Gee, that's so wild. Um, I don't think a lot of people, like, I, I don't think a lot of people realize how intense things in Afghanistan were or are. Um it's probably an R. We're not actively engaged there anymore, yeah. but it's still not. It's just wild. I mean, it's not my vacation this right. summer. Yeah, yeah. But it's the Middle East is a different. It's a different beast altogether. Yeah. Great people. It's just rough place to live. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, dang, that's so crazy. And so you get deployed. You're in Afghanistan. It's the first time. It's like live action things. The entire time that you're there, I know I watched the video that you sent me. Um, is Range Ranger Road? Ranger Road. Ranger Road. Okay. Yes. Their video of me. Yes. Ranger Road is a nonprofit that I do a lot of. I've done a lot of work with. Okay, that's what I thought. And so in that video, I remember you talking about how, in the moment, it's a place that you should be scared, but you weren't actually scared. Right. And does that result from your training, or is that just a product of who you are, or? I think the training, like I said, you do it. You just repeat it. You're you're so in the zone. Like this is this is what I'm doing. I know you already know what to do, so you don't have to think about it. Yeah. When you think about it, you get scared and you make mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, the guys that I was deployed with, my team, I knew that regardless of what happened to me, I was gonna. I would. They were gonna do everything they could to save me. Right. So you're not scared because I know the guys that I'm with that are to my to my side are gonna save or they're gonna do everything they can to save me. Right. Dang. And get me home. So you should be scared, but I know that the guy next to me is gonna just like I would do anything to save him, he's gonna do anything he can to save me. So that that brotherhood that you have, it 
kind of eliminate some of the fear you have because you're you're comfortable with the guys that you're with. You know yeah. that they're gonna they're gonna save you if they can, and yeah, and it's just part of the game. You know you're you know you're going into war and bad things can happen, but you don't. It's like going in, if you play a sport, you can play football. You could you could tear a ligament, tear a muscle, you can get hurt, break your neck, right. but you still play the game. You still have fun. Mm-hmm. So, not that war is fun, but I mean, for some guys it is. <laughs> but you, yeah, you don't you, you don't you're not scared because you're you're just doing your job. Yeah, hundred percent. And I happen to have a really bad day on the job. <laughs> a really bad day. <laughs> um, and so if we can. Do you want to jump into the whole the whole story? And sure. And if you want to yeah. go start to finish, I just almost just want to listen, and I might chime in, but I'd love to just hear on it. the spot. It's easy when it's Q and A. Yeah, now it's like, oh, boy, I guess run, tell, run tell us the, through that day or that week, kind of how it started. So, I was there for a six month appointment, right? Or I, actually, I think it was only going to be like a four month appointment because we operate at such a high rate because we operate every single night mm-hmm. at such a dangerous level that our deployments were significantly shorter so we don't get burned out. And yeah. when you get burned out, you make mistakes and guys get hurt and bad things happen. Yeah. So on the eighth night of my four-month deployment, I've only been in Afghanistan for eight days. Yeah. I, I've, I've already been on six or seven operations, like I said, those previous nights. And on the eighth night that I, was, that I deployed or that we went out to, to operate, uh, was when I, when I got wounded. I remember it being, what I remember the most was how cold it was. Like mm. I thought I'd been cold before, but I had never been colder than it was in Afghanistan that night. Wow. Where we're sitting on the tarmac waiting for our for our our helicopter to come in to, yeah. to take us into our into our op and just freezing like hand warmers did not do the job. Just like we were all just huddled up in this little ball trying to keep warm, <clears throat> and I didn't. And you're. You're just so so cold. That's all you could think about was how cold you were. Mm-hmm. And then I remember when the helicopter landed and it picked up the wind. It felt like it felt like needles <sighs> hitting my face, Jeez. and yeah. my face was already numb, but I felt the needles of the mm-hmm. cold blowing on my face. Oh, jeez! And I was like, man, like, man, I'm gonna get frostbite on my face. <coughs> I was prepared. I was I was wearing thermals and all that, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, it's yeah. the kind of cold that. Like your soul gets cold. Like mm. it, it penetrates it all the right way through in. you. Yeah, almost paralyzes you. Almost. Mm. Why you gotta do that, bro? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was just, I was just chiming in. I was just chiming in. <laughs> almost paralyzes you. Really cold. Um. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's what I remember the most about going out that night was how cold it was. Yeah. And when we're on the Chinook and we're flying out. The gunners will set off a bunch of set off. Will shoot their weapons to test them to make sure that they're ready to go. And I remember sitting with my team and the and the and the gatling going off. I was like, that's like that's like the the whistle, you know, in a game. Like, all right, game on. Yeah. And that that adrenaline rush that you feel like, all right, this is it. Sure. And we had already done all the briefings, so I knew what I was doing as soon as we hit the ground. I knew where I was going. I had the guys with me that I was going to be with when we approached the target and. I remember hitting the ground, and it so it's mostly farm fields out there. So I remember running through the farm, through this this field, with tons of holes and ditches. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I remember thinking like, I'm gonna break my foot, and that's gonna be the end of this mission. Yeah. But I made we made it to the to the to the compound. And I say compound because most of the homes out there have these big walls around them. Mm-hmm. So that was the compound was everything inside of the enclosed mm-hmm. home that we were that we were assaulting. And I had, uh, I had, I think it was like a PFC private, private holding the ladder for me, mm-hmm. that I was gonna, because I didn't, I didn't, have, I was fortunate, I didn't have to carry my ladder. I had this other guy to carry. Sorry, dude. <laughs> good man, though. Good but man. Good man. You did a good job. <laughs> so we got to the wall. I got up the ladder. I remember being up on top of the ladder, with my weapon over. So they wanted me on top of the, on top of the wall because there were vehicles inside of the compound, and I remember them wanting me to get eyes on inside the compound in case. I noticed anything that made me suspect that these the vehicles were loaded with explosives or hmm. they were wired so that as we infilled into the compound it wasn't a booby trap and my team didn't get wasn't wasn't killed. Yeah. So I remember the last thing I remember 
was radioing on my on my on my radio on my comms on my shoulder, radioing that I didn't see anything that made me suspect that any of the vehicles were were rigged to, to blow. I didn't think that I didn't see anything that made me suspicious of a, of a VBID. Mm-hmm. A VBID is a vehicle borne ID. Mm-hmm. I didn't I radioed. I don't I don't you know I didn't suspect any VBIDs, and that's that's where my memory that's where my memory ends. Wow. Um, what happened was a guy came out and just started open fire on us just i mean looking back i could i could monday morning quarterback it whatever it's called and, and pick out all the things that i should have done that would have yeah. saved me but in the moment i wasn't thinking yeah. um i remember i was up on top of the wall and i'm sure i silhouetted myself so that i was a big easy target to shoot mm. but uh he just sprayed bullets all over the place and one of them Caught me to the left side of my helmet, uh, probably about like it was about like here, mm-hmm. like an inch, an inch above my, above my eyebrow hit my helmet. Uh, went through my helmet, through my head, and out through the back of my helmet. And then, like I said, I was, I don't remember, any, I don't remember anything past my radio, but I, I was able to return fire and open fire, and I'm sure that's where the adrenaline wore off was after that, after the gunfight stopped. Yeah. And we we had the superior firepower, and and the gunfire was over, that the adrenaline wore off, and I I fell that that thirty feet off the wall. Yeah. And with all my gear on, I probably weighed well over three hundred pounds. So that hopefully that that private holding my ladder at the at the bottom, I, I actually I know he didn't I didn't land on him, but he saw me coming and got out of the way. And from from his words, he said I guess it looked like I was floating. Like oh. I, I, I like slowly fell back down to the ground yeah. and the wall was sloped at the bottom. So I almost came down like a slide hmm. and swooped down onto the ground and I was behind this big bush. So once the medics got to me, they had to get through the bush to get to me. And the original, once the medic got to me, the original message that got out was that I got shot in the neck hmm. because okay. I had blood, you know, obviously pouring down my, my head and down my neck and on my shirt. So they right. thought I got shot in the neck. So my family back in the States, they got the call that I had been shot in the neck, <coughs> obviously. But then I kept, I, I've, I've hung out with my medic since all of this happened and we've gone hunting and I've gone to Disneyland with him. And, yeah. and he told me that I kept telling him that my, my head, my, my head was really, my, I had a really bad headache. So he took my helmet off and he was like, he's like, yeah, your, your head's gone oh my goodness half my skull was gone i don't remember any of that but he said that i was telling him that my head was hurting <laughs> so he kept his hand on my head for probably like 45 to an hour oh my goodness from the ground to the helicopter to the surgeon he held on to my head yeah which probably saved your life which absolutely so the reason i talked about the cold at first was because the cold which i was the worst part that i remember the most was probably one of the best things because it slowed my heart rate down and it probably kept me from bleeding out that night. Right. And between him sucking out blood out of my, and vomit out of my throat as I'm, you know, dying in the helicopter. So as the helicopter would go up in altitude, we're already up in the mountains. As the helicopter would go up in altitude, my vitals would drop. Yeah. So he had to keep telling the helicopter pilot to keep, to, you know, stay lower. So we're flying within shooting range of, of the of the you know of the ground yeah as quickly as they could but that was the only way I was going to stay alive was if they kept the yeah. kept the altitude low and i guess i kept ripping out the gauze off my head he kept trying to pack it and i kept ripping it out huh. i wanted to go back and fight <laughs> my <laughs> word oh my word really and then i woke up 2 months later dang in bethesda maryland and that has to be just freaky, like so freaky. So I've had some scary things happen in my life and in my career. I've had parachutes not open, not work. Huh. The scariest thing that's ever that I've ever experienced is waking up from that coma in the hospital room. Mm. Terrifying. I was in a medically induced coma, and I wasn't supposed to wake up. Mm. And I woke up on my own, out of my coma, medically induced. I'm, there's, I'm, I'm so drugged up, I shouldn't be awake. And I wake up. And I remember trying to sit up, and my arm—I can't move my arm because my, you know, the gunshot. I'm now paralyzed. The gunshot paralyzed my right arm, and my right leg. And I remember trying to sit up, and I couldn't move. Like I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm dead. 
I die like because I'm in a dark room at nighttime. I don't, yeah. I don't know. And I have tubes out of everywhere. And the last thing I remember, I was in a gunfight. And oh my goodness. So I'm like, man, there's no bright lights. I don't see any angels. This is a really bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, I didn't do enough this good. Is, this is not what they prepared me for. <laughs> Dang. Should have repented. <laughs> Jeez. Father above, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Wow. So then, yeah, then from then on, then, you know, got to work. Mm. And they, my family was staying in the Fisher House, which is a nonprofit. That, and they You'll see him at almost every VA hospital. When a when a vet is getting inpatient care at a hospital, mm. the family, the immediate family, can stay for free at the Fisher House. So they're okay. near their, you know, their loved one when they're getting treatment. Right. So my family, they call that. This is like three in the morning or something like that too. So it's like I got shot at like three in the morning and I woke up at like three in the morning oh, two months really? later. Really? I mean, I'm not sure that it was exactly like that, but that's what it. Looking back on that's basically what it was. That's mm. pretty true. I just took like a two month nap. It's like a <laughs> Captain America esque thing, right? Just hibernating, you know? Just hibernating. Yeah. I wish I woke up like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And they they called them and they were like, you know, Jordan Jordan's awake and they came in to see me and at this point they'd been told I was never gonna walk, I was never gonna talk again. Yeah. So when they walked into my hospital room, they weren't sure what they were gonna see. If I was just gonna be like you know, like yeah. not any mumbling or you know, I could, or what I was going to be able to do to communicate. And, right. And I woke up talking. Wow. Jeez. I was trached. I had, a, I had a trach. I had tubes everywhere. And there's a cap you could put on your trach to help guys talk. And, but I was able to talk over it anyways. Really? Wow. Wow. Your voice was spared. So yeah. you could share the story. Right, so I could still talk. Yeah. Um, did I assume you wake up, do you... Like, was it a bunch of questions? I didn't know if you wanted me to stop after I... <laughs> no, 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 my, you were good. Injury. I just kept rolling. Yeah, no, that was perfect. That was awesome. Um, seriously, so, so wow. You do realize, like, you should probably be dead. I In every way, <laughs> I should be dead. That's why when you were reading the bio, it was... You said if Jordan woke up, his family was told this. Mm-hmm. How, there's a big emphasis on the if. Yeah. There was no, they didn't know if I was going to wake up or not because right. the medic that did everything he could to keep me alive on his previous deployment before me lost a guy to the exact same injury. Oh really? So they all thought I was dead. They yeah. all thought that was the last time they were going to see me was Dang. when I left in the helicopter. Dang. Did the bullet go through like your brain? Through my helmet, through my skull, through my brain, no out to the back. Did they have any kind of explanation of how, like how the bullet went through? Like how it like hits your brain, but you're still alive. <laughs> like, do they have any explanation? I mean, it's it's possible. Like, yeah. I always reference uh, Gabby Giffords, the congresswoman, mm. how she was shot in the head. Mm. She survived too. It's weird now that I've been shot in the head and I've been shot. I could actually probably name like five dudes that have been shot in the head. <laughs> We're a very small group yeah. of guys. I guess, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, very small group. So, yeah, like one in a billion. <laughs> yeah, we're talking like a very small group. Yeah, most people don't even know anybody that's been shot. And I know multiple guys who've been shot in the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's wild. Um, is it better that the bullet went all the way through? Probably. Mm-hmm. I don't. I I can give you that medical advice if you're yeah. gonna get shot in the head. <laughs> I can't tell you whether or not you want it to go all the way through. Yeah, my there's, guess is yes. There's still bone fragments in my brain. Oh my goodness. So, but it would cause more damage now to take them out since I'm a functioning human being. Yeah. That yeah. they didn't think I was gonna be. So, just let's leave it as is. Dang, that's so wild. I'm just like, imagine if you just had a bullet still there. Still chilling just in my your brain. Your brain just grow around this bullet. Oh, my goodness. I have the whole left side of my skull is titanium now. Yeah. Although I imagine if there was a bullet in there, then I'd be able to put a magnet on. The <laughs> titanium is not, mag- is not magnetic. Yeah. I can't tell you the disappointment I had when I put a magnet up to my head and it didn't stick. <laughs> See, I, I'm nervous to do that to like put a magnet to my chest or something because I'm just scared it's gonna rip. I was like, can you imagine how cool it would be, like bar trick to be like, oh yeah, watch this, stick <laughs> a magnet on my head. They're like, what? Like this dude's on? literally not human. Right. <laughs> I would believe. It. I mean, if you told me you just got shot in the head and, and like start talking like a robot and just like blow people. Out <laughs> <of them. laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm Elon Musk, new AI. <laughs> just like faces melt for reals though <laughs> dang that's so insane so they reconstructed your whole skull yeah um that wasn't for six months so i was missing i'd wear this i'd wear a helmet for like six months before they would yeah so the swelling because they they removed my skull so that your brain can smell yeah and not you know blood clot or kill you because your brain swells mm-hmm. there's always so much space in your brain yeah 
So I was missing half my head for six months. Wow. Mid haircut's really tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's yeah. scary. Just shave Jeez. this half, please. I'm just going to. Right, but I had a helmet on, so I was like, oh, people can't tell anyways. <laughs> well, you got lucky because you, they maintained you as a ha- handsome young man. I know? think so, right? For someone who got shot in the head, yeah. I look pretty uh, yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> you, 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 you really job. can't <laughs> tell. <laughs> yeah, other than, well, you know, the scars. The scar on my head, and I can't. I can't see it. And I can't move yeah. my, my arm and my leg. <laughs> That's yeah, just, minus that stuff. That, yeah. Details, details. <laughs> but um, wow. Although with the paralysis to my to the right side of my body, it's called hemiparalysis. So my right, it's yeah. just my right side that's paralyzed. Mm. My face is too. So if I smile, only half my face yeah. smiles. So I look like Bill's palsy. I was gonna ask: Is there, like, the way you sound right now? Is it any different than you sounded before? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the wrong one to ask that. Yeah, you'd have to. Ask I sound the same in my head that I did before. Yep. Although I, I'm, 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 it's been so long now that I don't even remember what I sounded like before. Yeah. I don't remember what it's like to use my right arm. Mm. I don't remember what it's like to have a, a right leg that I could walk on either. Dang. Dang. You just get used to those kind of things. Yeah, you just, yeah, you just adapt, right? Yeah, and then you forget about it until it's inconvenient. And then you're like, oh, yeah. Which is all, always inconvenient. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time on the show where I'm the odd man out when it comes to functioning limbs. <laughs> an able-bodied person, <laughs> a loser. Hey, two-legged, two-legged freak. Two-legged yeah, monster. <laughs> Look at him walking. Sorry, guys. Gee, now yeah, I feel discrimination. Discrimination. <laughs> Put your shoes on every day. Yeah. Dang, man. that's so Probably crazy. have to buy new shoes. Um, <laughs> and now you're obviously able to walk. Do you run? I can't run yet. Okay. But I'm, I'm putting the et yet on there. Yeah. Because I wasn't supposed to walk. I wasn't supposed to talk. Mm. I wasn't supposed to use my arm. I can lift weights with my arm. Yeah. I'm getting strong. My right arm is always getting stronger. So at no point have the things that I've been told I couldn't do or wouldn't be able to do, yeah. have I not been able to do. So until I've exhausted every single option, will I admit that I can't do it? Until I am on my deathbed, I'm like, oh, I did everything I could. My right arm doesn't, still doesn't work. It, I guess it's not going to work then. Mm. So until I, I won't, I won't raise that white flag until I've exhausted every option. Yeah, and I'm not done yet. Hundred mm. percent. That's amazing. Is that pretty much your message to people today? Your, I guess your life must go on. Message. Is that what you'd kind of sum it up in? I guess if you could find a way to sum it up, that would be one of them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, I, I, when people say that they can't do something, I would bet that I could find something you haven't tried yet. Hmm. In any situation that you're like, oh, I can't do that, I bet you I could be like, well, did you try this? And if you haven't tried that, then you can't quit. You, or you can't say that I can't do it. Or I guess rather than saying I quit, Saying you can't do something if you haven't tried absolutely everything, then how can you say that you can't do it? No, that's super true. Because there's things that I do that people be like, you can't. There's no way you can do it. I'll be like, I'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> like, you can't drive. I'm like, I'll figure it out. Or like, how are you going to get in and out of your car by yourself? I'm like, I don't know. You figure it out. Like, there's ways to do everything. So I obviously, being a, being a track athlete in special forces, I enjoy the physical challenges. I've done triathlons and those kind of things before I got wounded. Yeah. And I really wanted to find something that I could do again that was that physical in nature. So I was supposed to, you're not going to ride a bike. You're not going to walk. You're not going to ride a bike. They got me on like this recumbent bike. I didn't want to ride a recumbent bike anymore. So when I got, when I went home after everything that was, had happened to me and I was retired from the Navy and I was just living back at home in Elk Grove, California, my dad had a bike. Mm. So I took his cycling shoes, put them, put them on my feet, and when I still had two feet, uh, I didn't get my leg. So I got shot. I guess let me rewind real quick. I got shot in 2011. I didn't get my leg amputated until 2016. Wow. So when I still had a foot, I put my dad's cycling shoes on, went out, clipped my feet onto his bike, into his into the pedals. I had no idea how I was going to make this work. Yeah. I couldn't hold on to the handlebar with my right hand. The gears are on the right hand. I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I put it in the, the, the lowest gear I could and taped my hand to the bar, taped my right hand to the handlebar and held on to the garage door and pushed myself down the driveway and rode around the block. Yeah, nice. 
<laughs> that's so that's so wild. That and is then, so wild. I, but the brake, I, I didn't know how I was going to stop. I'm clipped to the bike. I can't move my right foot still. I don't know what I was going to do. So after I went around the block and I rode up to my my house that I was at, I just rode up all, up the driveway onto the front grass and fell mm. over on the grass. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I taped my hand and reached down and used my left hand to unclip my right foot and got back up and walked inside. I was like, I could ride a bike again. Yeah. You're and like, so what? now I now I do it all and now I ride as often as I can. Yeah. And we can get into it more, but this summer, probably next summer now, because we're already into this summer, mm. I'm riding at 2,371 miles across the country mm. on my two-wheel upright bike that I was supposed to ride. That's Dang. sick. That's a long distance. I can't do that right but now. There, that's, JK, you, I can. can. Like you said, I can. Yeah, I can. You could do it if you try. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Come do it with me. Come ride part of it with me. I'll Ooh. ride a bike. Dude. That would actually be so cool. Yeah, get a, get an arm bike and come I, ride yeah, with I, me. That would I, be rad. I do arm bike. Dang, dude, we could arm bike. I'll, I'm normal biking. I'll cycle. You could ride with me on an upright. Dang, we could even tandem if you want it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won't even do. That. I won't do that with my wife. <laughs> tandem bikes scare me. I did a stoppie on one one time, and I was on the back. No, you go up real high. <laughs> I have a big control issue. Yeah. And I, I need to be in control of my bike. Yeah, and totally, dude. Listen. We should, really should do this. I'm not. Even I got kidding. a special leg fabricated so I can cycle. Wow, nice. this is yeah, This is this is a real thing that I'm trying to do. Yeah, dude, listen, we're gonna stay in the loop here because that would be amazing. Well, I'm, I made a documentary called Project 22, uh-huh. and in the documentary they have me talking about how I plan I want to ride my bike cross country. So if like somebody saw it recently and then asked me about it, asked me if I'd done it, I'm like. Ugh. No, I have to do it. <laughs> yeah. People are going to see this and be like, did you do it yet? Like, <laughs> yeah. Now i got to do it. Yeah, yeah. So I put myself up against it now where I'm like, so when people talk about, like, you know, put your dreams out, you know, into the universe and tell people and it'll hold you accountable. Yep. I feel like I did that on accident. <laughs> and now it's come back and I'm like, now I have to do You're it. Like, oh, yeah. boy. That was the entire last year with the podcast. Yeah, and, and I'm at least at a, a successful place in my life now where I can do it. Yeah. Dang. Dude, so listen. Fun. Well, now you're held accountable. Accountable. I'm on. I'm on. Me and Hayden. Yeah. So I'm on. I'm on. This is like the the the, the video, the Project Twenty Two documentary that I'm in, Coach V podcast, and now life must go on. I'm, yeah. I got to do it now. I'm, you have to. This is three instances where I'm documented saying it. So <laughs> if I don't do it, and my kids see this when they're older, and they're like, "Why didn't you do it?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, <laughs> you're like make I up some excuse. Couldn't move my leg. Yeah, my arms paralyzed. Did you do it? <laughs> That's actually funny. That's Hayden's. Hayden's motto pretty much <laughs> is doing stuff like that, like putting himself in a position where he can't back out. Right. <laughs> and then now that you've been in the position, it's like, ah, well, yeah, just like I guess I can hold deeper. Yep. Here, here, go, here goes nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. You can, it, it helps. That was well, our entire I, year. And I think that goes back to what, what I might have said earlier is I'm also giving myself the permission and, you know, that I could fail. Yeah. I could, it could not work out. I could start it and it not work. Yep. Right. But what I could learn and the experiences that I could develop from trying might lead me to the next, you know, thing I do. 100%. 100%. Just like with the Navy. Right. Can't be, I, I'm not afraid of trying. Yeah. You trying. never know where it's going to lead you or what's going to happen. If I hadn't gotten shot and this happened to me, I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys. I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have yeah. been able to reach the, you know, the people that are listening to you. 100%. I think the difference between... I think the main difference between people who do amazing, incredible things and people who don't is just a willingness to try. I agree. I don't think there's anybody who's just so much more special than anybody. I mean, obviously, everybody's blessed with talents and abilities to succeed where they succeed. But where you are looking to succeed, I I think going back to a Kobe quote, um, I also love basketball, just in case you didn't know. But um, going back to a Kobe quote, I love that everything that he talked about and everything he talks about, and in your situation... It's not just like this is the only way success is possible through the military. And it's like this isn't the only way successful in basketball. But it's like you take these principles and apply them to all of your lives. Everybody who does different things faces their own mountains, faces their own challenges and their own trials. But as long as they're willing to try, put in the effort where they are at, whether you're an accountant, whether you are a school teacher and you want to be the best teacher you can be, when you apply these principles, that's how you find success through failures, but overall, that's how you find just success. And enjoy what you're doing. Mm. I mean, this is totally off topic, but no, enjoy it. Yeah, no point doing it if you hate it. 
100%. I mean, if you're making bank, that's one thing. <laughs> and if... I don't, I haven't been in any situation or met anybody that's attained something worthwhile that didn't take some risk or a little bit of faith to try. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And sometimes risk and that stuff, it's scary. And, you know, it can be embarrassing to fail or, like, we think it's embarrassing. Uh, you know, you're not that important at the yeah, end of the day. <laughs> the only people that are going to think it's embarrassing is you. Yeah. Most people are going to be like, wow, did you see what he tried to do? Exactly. It's like when you... People will admire it more and they'll be like, yep. You get like a picture, and you, the only person you look at in the picture is yourself. Yeah. You're like, man, I look ugly. But you don't care about anyone else in the picture. <laughs> exactly. It's like the same thing, right? It's like yeah, that's a, I never thought of it that way. You, every, you told, I totally do that. And like, look at a picture, and I'm just look at me. I don't look at what other people are doing. In the <laughs> it's like, who cares? Like, you're the only one who cares what you look like. Yeah. Right. Everybody else like, that's a nice picture. You're like, no, it is ugly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get it. It's ugly. It's like we're so hard on ourselves, but if we just try, if we're not scared of failing, I mean... You wouldn't have light bulbs, right? Like Albert Einstein felt how many times to figure that First out? First off, Thomas Edison. I don't you know what? I can't do <laughs> You this. need to go back. I it's thought. been so... I'm tired, dude. I'm sick. Was it the Wright brothers, the airplanes? Yeah, they're yes, the airplanes. Wright brothers are the airplanes. I was like, I think that's their name. I'm like, I'm going to embarrass myself. <laughs> Jefferson. Well, once again, you know, the whole down. school thing, we've been, you know... We can pretend like we'll cut it out. 100%. Thanks. But then we'll just swap up the yeah. Thomas Edison. I'll put a bleep in there. No, I just oh, did you get the wrong name? Yeah. We, we don't need to talk about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> mixed up who it was. <laughs> but that's fine. That's fine. Hey, he caught it, though. I was just rolling with it. I, <laughs> I don't know any different. I was like, yep. See, I told you. I'm just Aren't a, you in school? No, I'm, I'm just, just a, I'm just a knuckle-dragging meathead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, knuckle-dragging meatheads. They're, they're capable. We're good for something. <laughs> um, that's probably the time that we have. Uh, but, Jordan Farrell, thank you for sharing the whole story it's been incredible ton, super awesome like seriously super awesome a ton of golden nuggets that i'll take with me that we'll hold you accountable with with some of the other things you talked about but just overall i think what i piece together and you guys can add if you want but what i piece together is one the main thing is that no matter who where whatever who we are we are able to do things way beyond what we can what we can what we think we can um and then through the failures in those efforts, we're able to find other routes where we can have success. And then overall, at the end of the day, until you are on the deathbed, you can't sit there and say, I can't do something. Um, you guys are, you know, both you and Hayden and your guys' situations are uh, more rare than, you know, some of my circumstances. Um, but it just goes to show, like, we're literally just three boys from Utah that happen to have some insane stories that it's just, I don't know, anybody if, can do anything. If I can add that real quick yeah. to, to the first point you made that we are capable of so much more. I had doctors mm. tell me I couldn't do something, yeah. but I believed in myself to do it, and I, I didn't let that deter me from chasing it. 100%. 100%. Because we are capable of so much more than we allow ourselves to be. Very true. And there's a solution to everything. Just got to look for it. Right. Totally. Well, ladies and gents, thank you for tuning in. Um, this is hype. This is awesome. So I'm pumped up. Uh, we're excited for next week. But give this a long, long listen. Two, three times. Oh, Jordan, you got some? Hey, catch me on Instagram, Headshot Jordan. <laughs> Headshot Jordan. <laughs> At Headshot Jordan. Find the man on Instagram. You'll see, I assume you post, like, your the other things you're doing. Like, yeah. nonprofits, speaking, yeah, all that nonprofits stuff. speaking, my training for the bike ride across the country. Perfect. And... I, We'll tag him in all of our posts and everything, so you'll be able to find him that way as well. Um, but thanks again, ladies and gents. Jordan, thank you once again. Thank you. Hayden, good work. As always. As always. Monson, <laughs> great work, really. As always, Monson, you killed it. Okay. <laughs> all right, everybody. That's a wrap. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>